This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. I recently flew Delta, I want to say about a week ago now, and I was coming back home from being in Atlanta for a speaking engagement, and Delta just gave me such a wonderful experience. And it really was the icing on the cake of just such an amazing weekend that I had. Some of the things that I loved particularly about my Delta airline experience was first, the amazing customer service. Everyone there was so kind, so welcoming, so present, so attentive. And a small thing, but was big to me, was just something simple as having headphones so that I can enjoy more than a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment. I mean, my flight wasn't that long, but I got to catch up on a movie, some shows, just things I don't have time to do usually at home. I was able to enjoy that in the air. Delta also offers fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi, and it's available for SkyMiles members. Being able to access the Wi-Fi, I was able to order some groceries and just get a head start on my week. It was a great end to my experience and ushered me right back in to being home. So even if you're not home yet, Delta Airlines helps you feel a little bit like it. Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. On today's episode, we have a very special guest who's going to be talking to us about supernatural relationships. So meet Ashley. Ashley Brown, affectionately known as Ashley Empowers, is a speaker, entrepreneur, author, and top media personality. She is a pioneer within a relationship community, and she works daily to change the tone of the conversation about marriage and relationships around the world. She is the creator and host of Dating with Purpose, a popular series and movement that promotes pursuing healthy relationships with God at the center. On her YouTube channel, Ashley Empowers, Ashley has reached millions with her hit broadcast series that are designed to uplift and empower viewers. As a passionate speaker, advocate, and catalyst for Dating with Purpose, Ashley is dedicated to social and spiritual uplift. She has shared as a lecturer and inspirational speaker to thousands of women in the United States and Jamaica. She currently travels the country as an empowerment speaker and social media influencer. Y'all get ready because this interview is amazing. Let's start the show. Work hard for what you want in life. You work hard for what you want in life. That that, that your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do. That your word is your bond, and you do what you say. That you treat people with dignity and respect. That you treat treat, treat, treat people with respect. Reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard. The strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. Welcome to the second installment of our Supernatural Life series. I'm really excited about today's episode because we're going to be speaking about relationships. Now, this is a topic that you guys ask me a lot about, and I usually shy away from it. Um, Not because I'm ashamed to talk about relationships, but I believe that relationships is such a powerful topic, especially when talking about a man and a wife, because God takes 
marriage very seriously. He even refers to the church as his bride. And so I don't want to just come on a show and be running my mouth about whatever. I want to make sure that we approach this in a strategic way. Um, And so that's why I just knew that Ashley had to be the perfect person to have this conversation with. So I'm really excited. And Ashley, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of the show. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be sharing on this topic. Yeah. So I've already read your bio. Everybody knows how amazing you are. So let's start at the beginning and tell us what influenced this passion in you about talking to people and really spreading this message about dating with purpose and building healthy relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So really it's, it's interesting. So I, I'll have to start from kind of childhood. So growing up, my parents got divorced when I was five years old and um, I'm half Nigerian. My dad ended up moving back to Nigeria and my mom um, was really essentially left to raise four girls on her own. So I grew up in a single parent household and my mom remarried and she got divorced again after her after her after being married to my dad and I just grew up witnessing a lot of toxic and dysfunctional relationships and honestly speaking growing up I can't even name one relationship that I can say I want to have a marriage like them. And so when I got old enough today, I started repeating those same toxic patterns and I wasn't making healthy relationship choices. And when I was in college, I was making the wrong choices when it came to relationships. And I did not grow up in church. I grew up believing in God, but I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was a senior in college. Matter of fact, I was actually a year out from graduating from school and the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to me in my dorm room. And he said, if you desire to have all the things that are in your heart, the marriage, the healthy relationship, and just some things that I desired my future to look like, he said, I needed to change. That means that meant for me to stop drinking, to stop smoking, to stop having friends with benefits. The list goes on. So that moment I made the decision to change. Now, when it comes to my journey, that next relationship that I was in, and I'm getting to getting to your question, but the next relationship that I was in, um, it was the first time that I dated someone that was like a real for real Christian, um, but we did not have the tools needed to thrive. So the relationship ended. And um, after that relationship ended, I was like super depressed. I just thought my world was over. And that really led me to depending on God, not idolizing relationships and building a true and genuine, authentic relationship with him. And on my journey of doing that, God ministered to me and told me that my ministry is relationship and marriage and marriage. So essentially it came from me witnessing dysfunction, going through my own dysfunction and just having the faith to believe that God can restore my view of relationships and actually bless me with one that honors him. I think that's really good. 
because one thing I, I heard you say was just you guys didn't have the tools in the previous relationship to make it work. Now, a lot of people would have then taken what God told you and went back to that last relationship to try to make it work because now you're growing in God and you have more tools. So how did you have the wisdom to know like, yes, that season ended and it's not for me to go back. Now it's time for me to just continue to grow and stay on this path to find the one that God had for me. Gosh, that's that's a great question. And to be completely honest, it was very hard because I did want to go back. So at the time that I was going through the breakup of that relationship, I was living in Houston, Texas, and we were going through the breakup and randomly I got a call from a recruiter in Dallas, Texas. And this is where I live now. I got a recruiter from Um, a company in Dallas, Texas that wanted to um, interview me for a different position. And long story short, I ended up getting blessed with that position, moving to, I moved to Dallas. And I remember the day that I left Houston, the movers came, packed up my entire apartment, and I was still incredibly heartbroken. It was like the, it was like fresh of the, fresh off the breakup. And I was sitting in my living room in Houston. And I was just like, Lord, like if he, if the, if my ex would have called me, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I would have stayed. So how I got to the point was really God physically uprooting me from my location. So switching my environment. And when he switched my environment, I just knew that they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. And at that time, I was in my early 20s and a strong desire of my heart was to be married. And so I literally made the commitment. I said, the next person that I date will be my husband. And so I knew that I had to go to work on myself. I had to heal from that past relationship and it was hard. So I can't just say, oh, like I'm, I'm ready to be found by my Boaz. No, like I had to heal and I had to really cut soul ties and break soul ties and change my behavior or else I would have been back in that situation. Yeah. And and what did that look like, though? Like, what did you practically do to get you to that place? I did a lot of fasting. I did a lot of um, just growing because at this time in my early 20s, like I said, I didn't grow up in church. So I was a new Christian. So I was reading books. I was listening to sermons. I was Find, really one of the number one things that I did was I found a couple that was I was inspired by who was living the life, right? So the couple that um, dated with purpose, I mean, they were abstinent until marriage and they just served as an example to me of what was possible. But on top of that, they were swaggy. So for me, I grew up with this perception that Christian people like Christian women, they wore turtlenecks and long skirts and, you know, that just lived like this, boring, same old lifestyle. 
So when I saw a couple who I could relate to, who loved God, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, okay, so I can be myself and I can still have a relationship that honors God. And I don't have to be in the club and I don't have to go to the mall every weekend and find a new outfit so I can be seen and try to meet somebody. Like, so I just started to have a different perception. Um, So practically reading books, sermons, I did a lot of um, praying and fasting and changing my environment because coming out of that season of my life, I still had friends that were big kicking it, clubbing, drinking. And because I knew I wanted something different, I also started to pray for friends who were like-minded and God was faithful and answered that. That's good. A lot of people write into the show and ask that question because they're in that season where God is is calling them out to be to do more and they want to do more but it's just that pull of what you're used to as opposed to God pulling you to being who he created you to be. So did you have like a season as you were stepping out of those things that you were familiar with where you had to be by yourself? If so, like how did you navigate that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one thing about me is I love to go out back then. And I remember I would go out with my friends, everybody would be drinking and turning up. And I would, I had outgrown that season so much that I would be in the club in my iPhone on notes, like journaling to myself, like, what are you doing here? You're wasting your time. And after doing that enough, I stopped I stopped accepting invitations to go out. And so I literally did go through a season of being alone. And when I was in my early 20s, where most people were out and doing fun things on the weekends, because the only fun that I knew was going out, drinking and turning up, I was at my apartment by myself. So I did go through that season and then slowly um, just being comfortable being alone. That's when God like started to... Um, introduced me to women who were like-minded. And I actually joined like this group where we had like a girl's night every week, every month, um, where we were able to just talk about life and talk about the Lord and things that were happening in our lives. So I did go through that season of being alone and it was tough. And there were times where I did accept invitations to go out. But again, I found myself like, why are you here? You know, you don't, you know, you're not supposed to be here. You're not even enjoying it. So, yeah. I think that's really good. And I believe that as you were talking, all I could think about is how God puts us through like the same process in different areas of our life. And we never necessarily relate the two. So like a lot of us, we have a season when we're coming out of the world and what we're used to, and we're pursuing the things of God where we have to be by ourselves. We have to wait for him to send us the right people to be in our life. We have to wait for him to do whatever it is that we're believing in him for. But then when it comes to waiting, let's say for your husband, where you're getting, you're going out, growing out of that season of dealing with the guys who are leading you nowhere fast to waiting for that husband. Then we forget like, girl, you just went through this. Like, remember when you were waiting for God to send you godly relationships as far as friendships and things like that are concerned, the same tools that you use in that waiting season, you could use in the waiting season while you're um, waiting for God to send you your husband. So I hope you guys are listening. I'm really taking that that to heart. And I was just connecting the two as you were talking, like, wow, we 
we overcomplicate God a lot. And when if we would just take those tools from that season, apply them to this particular waiting season, it would be a lot less difficult than we try to make it to be. And I never thought of it like that. Yeah, that's great. So what happened after that? So you're living for God now. You've moved to Dallas from Houston. At what point did you meet your now husband? Yes. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about, let's, let's get to the good, good part. So, <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, to catch you up, I moved to Dallas and let, and I'm not going to glamorize anything because people see my relationship now and they see my life now and they're just like hashtag relationship goals. But I like to be very transparent on my journey because because it was an absolute journey. So um, I moved to Dallas and I got a position. It was, it was uh, that I was working, I was in a management program and the job looked like an excellent job. It was a great opportunity, but to be honest, I was not in a good emotional space. And on top of me not being an emotional space, I hated the job that brought me here. And on top of me hating the job that I was in, I also did not have anywhere to live. So at the time I was living with a friend of mine and I didn't have any, she, I was living in her spare bedroom had no furniture, no bed. I was literally making pallets on the floor. And it was what I call like my coldest winter ever because it was just, yeah, like I was feeling depressed. Um, My friend that I was living with, it was was winter and she kept her apartment. Like she was like, I don't know what's the opposite of being anemic, but she was cold in the winter. So she enjoyed, like she had the air on in the winter. So it was horrible. And so, um, I really was just going through a season of God, just healing me and me just, just going through a healing journey. So, um, fast forward, I ended up getting my own apartment and July 4th, 2013, I, oh, mind you in, so I moved to Dallas 2012. So between 2012 and 2013, I got stable, got my own apartment. Um, even someone that I was dating from the past had kind of resurfaced. And I, I honestly thought that was going to be my husband. That didn't end up leading anywhere. So July 4th, 2013, um, I decided to go on a fast where It was, everybody was like barbecuing, you know, doing all these fun things for 4th of July. But I said, you know what, Lord, I need to spend some time with you. I turned off my phone, turned off my TV. It was just me and God, my Bible. That was it. And um, I really just needed that. And so July 5th, I turned on my phone and I was having all these like notifications from Instagram. And this is before like DMs. It was just likes. So I'm like, who is liking all my pictures? Long story short, it was Carrington, which is my husband. He um, was liking like a ton of my pictures. So I started liking a lot of his pictures. And we were just going back and forth that day, liking each other's pictures. And finally, I was like, if you keep liking my pictures, that means we go together. So he Right. So he commented on one of my pictures and he was like, no problem. Like, let's set up a date. And he literally, since there was no DMs at the time, he put his phone number in a comment under one of my pictures. So so I text him and 
we set up our first date and let me tell you how God works. So um, that happened July 5th. We were in a relationship by August 1st. Um, We were in a relationship by August 1st. He proposed eight months later and we were married one year to the day that we started dating a day and one day. We got married August 2nd, 2014, and we've been married for five years. So, and we have two beautiful children. So, um, it, God brought everything full circle and it literally just, I really, what I accounted for is me working on myself personally, giving up the idol of being married and also just, ah, just being disciplined enough and just like training my flesh to not go back to my old ways. That is so good. Something you said that just hit home was not to make marriage your idol. Because I feel like when in the church, it's like everybody is rushing you down the aisle. Like if you're old enough to kind of be outside of the college age, but still relatively like young and single, everybody is your husband, your husband, your husband. And even if you have a a desire to get married, like sometimes I know for me, when I was in church, I was like, I'm tired of y'all talking to me about my husband. Like, I want to be a successful entrepreneur. I want to live my life. I don't want to get married tomorrow. <laughs> like, I, And at the time I wasn't like saved, saved. So I'm like, I'm still trying to be out here in these streets. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want y'all shoving my husband down my throat, even though that was a, a desire of my heart. I just knew that because like you, I grew up seeing a lot of toxic marriages. And I knew once I got there, that was going to be it. Like I, I can't, I just took very seriously that I didn't want to show my children what I saw. And, but I felt like at church, it wasn't a lot of building me up as a woman. It was a lot of getting married, getting married, getting married. And I'm like, Tatum needs to be whole first, you know? So, and then it's like, then when you're in the world, it's this hookup culture. And a lot of people, especially now are are talking about how marriage isn't even necessary. So like you have these two pulls, one to rush down the aisle, one to be in these streets as I call it. So how did you like disconnect from either of those narratives to be intentional about dating for marriage, but dating for marriage for you and not what anybody else is trying to tell you? Yeah. So that's a really good question. And at the end of the day, my desires are unique to me. So I wasn't focused on what people in the world were doing or, you know, what if, well, one, I went to a church where they weren't shoving marriage down your throat. So I didn't, I I can't, I can't really relate to that, but my desires are unique to me, but I've, I have been legacy, legacy minded, generational legacy minded. So my thought was, when I do get married and whoever I get married to, they have to have the same vision when it comes to having a marriage that is an exact replica of how God designed marriage to look. So I've always been focused on changing my generational legacy and being an example within my family and in this generation that having a healthy, thriving marriage is 100% possible because the world will tell you that marriage is hard. The world will show you real housewives where none of them are real housewives. The world will show you these images that are 
discouraging marriage. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people are saying marriage is not necessary because so many images in the media are showing you failed marriages. And it's like, man, these people that you, that are happily married one day, they're filing for divorce the next. It's like, why would someone be inspired to embark on that journey when everyone tells you how hard it is and how, how much, how no one can be faithful these days. So I'm just on a mission to be an example that a great marriage can exist and that it's possible. That's awesome. One thing that that you mentioned before was you had this couple who was swaggy. They had a great marriage. Um, And then also you talked about your upbringing. Like, how did you go about getting to the scriptures to, to figuring out, okay, what is, what does God say marriage is? What did that process look like for you? Right. So really what did it, what it looked like for me first, it came from, like I said, someone being a living witness and seeing these couples that lived for God. And when it came to just scripturally speaking, I wanted to know what it looked like when two actually became one. And when you leave your mother and father and you cleave, you know, the husband leaves and he cleaves to his wife. And what does it look like to actually be a help me? And so I had these, this, these biblical references, but Tatum, to be completely honest, you don't know what marriage looks like in the ministry of marriage until you are actually in it. And I think when it comes to just biblically speaking, and I don't know if a lot of women um, who listen to your podcast are single, but really just having the servant mindset. And so, so something that God has been speaking to me in my personal marriage is how marriage and motherhood is truly service. And you see women who are preparing for marriage that are that if you tell them like being you are you as a woman are called to be a helpmeet according to Genesis, they're like, oh yeah, like I can be a helpmeet and I'm looking forward to it. And before you're in it, being a helpmeet seems like it's easy. And if okay, if God, if that's all that you that I need to do, sign me up. I'm ready to get married today. But when you're actually in it and you're actually someone's helpmeet, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to serving and you have to look at it as service. So um, I kind of forgot what your question was, but I think that's important to mention that biblically speaking, women are called to be helpmeets. And before you get married and when you're first married, it seems like, oh yeah, that's going to be easy. But there are tough times of being a helpmeet and you have to kind of check yourself like, oh, I am called to serve as a wife and as a mother. Yeah, that's good. Now you answered it um, because honestly, your definition of marriage came straight from the word as it should. And I think that a lot of people who are preparing to be wives or who desire to get married, a lot of us don't go straight to the word. And that's for a variety of reasons. Maybe they don't have a translation or something where they could understand. I don't know. But I do think that it is important for you guys listening to go straight to see what God is saying about marriage. And one thing for um, for me with preparing for marriage, God 
man, my relationship put like a mirror up to like a lot of my broken areas that I got comfortable with. And, and that was before we got married. It was like, I didn't realize, I thought that when it came to marriage that you were going to find this person and that they were going to be perfect for you because they were going to be just like you and you had everything in common and they were just going to agree with everything you said and it was just going to be amazing. And that was like, not it. So God sent me this person who was opposite of me in so many different ways. And for me, I think that if I didn't have self-awareness that I could have self-sabotaged the relationship before we even got married because I had just this terrible perspective of what I thought marriage was that wasn't based on anything biblical. And so um, I I think, like you say, you don't really know until you get married. I think once we got married, I realized like what it really meant to move as one. And it started to make sense because all of the things that I was so annoyed with that were opposite of me actually were the things that I needed for me to walk into what God has for me. The things that I had that that uh, were my strengths that were not necessarily strengths with him are able to push him into who God called him to be. And now we're just walking on one accord. And I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. Why didn't anybody teach me this before I got buried? I could have saved myself a lot of money in therapy for <laughs> sitting in there talking to the, my therapist, like what's wrong with me? So I think that uh, that was just a really, really good point you made uh, about just really embodying what the Bible says about being a helpmeet and being a wife. So I wanted to ask you, a lot of people ask this question. I, I put in my stories yesterday, questions that people had about marriage. And one of them was, how did you know that your husband was the one? So y'all were y'all had the, the beautiful millennial love story of liking pictures and it's, it's so cute. How did you know that he was your husband? Yeah, that's a great question. And I honestly get that question all the time. And it's not like God spoke to me audibly. It was the 100% peace of God. So when I, my husband leading up to our engagement, when we got engaged, I didn't have any questions. I didn't have any doubts. I had clarity. The word tells you that God is not the author of confusion. So the peace of God literally carried us on our journey. I mean, when I say everything fell into place from preparing for our actual wedding to us being married to us moving in, like everything flowed. It wasn't a tussle. It wasn't um, me ignoring red flags. It was complete clarity and peace. That's awesome. Was your husband um, building his relationship with God the same way that you were prior to you guys meeting? So my husband, he grew up in church. And when we met, he told me that he has a calling on his life to be a pastor, which at first I was like worried about because I'm like, oh, Lord, Jesus, like, I don't know if I can be somebody's first lady, but not that he's meant to pastor in a church or not that he's meant to pastor in a church, but he's meant to minister. So um, he, when we got together, he knew that, but he, at the time in his life, was not living wholeheartedly for Christ. Um, so when we got together, we definitely, I would like, to be honest, I would say that I was definitely probably at a stronger point in my walk. Um, 
but he's the leader of our household today. And it took him time to grow and he's still developing into the man that God has called him to be. But I can't say that, no, we were just on the same page completely. But I mean, he was faithful. He was serving in church. He, of course, was repentant of his sins and he had fruit on his tree. Um, But we definitely had to grow together. Sorry to interrupt this awesome interview, you guys, but we got to pay a bill and then we'll be right back to it. This episode is brought to you by Native. Native creates safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. They create products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. Native products are made in the USA with ingredients thoughtfully sourced from around the world. Native deodorants can hang with your workout, your busy mom life, your busy boss life, or a 16-hour day. They come in a wide variety of enticing scents for both men and women. Plus, they release new, limited edition, seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those who have sensitivities. I personally have the lavender and rose scent, and I cannot believe how good it smells for one and also how long it lasts. My native deodorant has been my go-to, and even on the hottest of summer days, it never wears off. One of the other things I appreciate about the deodorant is that they're aluminum-free, and aluminum can be linked to some serious health ramifications, including breast cancer and Alzheimer's. Although native is priced at a slight premium when compared to other conventional deodorants, it is both safe and effective. For 20% off your first order, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code BLESS during checkout. Again, for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code BLESS during checkout. Let's get back to the show. So how did you guys go about doing that? We had a lot of people who asked questions because they feel that them and their husband or their um boyfriends that they see as potentially being their husbands aren't spiritually equally yoked. I mean, I really don't think two people are going to come together and be exactly the same in any way, especially not in their relationship with God. So how do two people come together and grow uh, spiritually? So one, I believe that two people need to be equally yoked in the sense of you have the same beliefs, you serve the same Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe you need to be equally yoked in that way, but it takes time for people to mature spiritually. And how we how we grew together is one, well, first off, Carrington was growing on his own. So he had people that mentored him, that spoke life into him, and I had the same. But as a couple, even before we got engaged, we would pray together, we would um, do devotionals together, and we would attend church together, even when we were dating. So we would do things um um, those things practically. And also uh, when we were engaged, we fasted together. And um, what else are some things that we did? I mean, we attended conferences and we met with, so before we got engaged, we met with a um, pastor really just pouring out things that were happening in our lives to have accountability, to get direction. So we weren't I think a good thing to note is we weren't doing everything on our own. Like we absolutely had people speaking into our life, people that were wise, that had been married for years, that gave us direction. So it wasn't like we were just trying to do everything on our own. 
How did you guys go about identifying those people? Was it just folks that you guys already knew as individuals or then new people come to your life once you got together? Yes. Yeah, so new people came. And in particular, um, the woman that is coming to my mind now, Miss um, Jackie, she's actually the pastor that married us. She was a woman that I worked with when I was working in corporate America. And she was um, her and her husband had a church. And when Carrington and I were struggling in our relationship, um, honestly, when I, well, let me, let me go ahead and just tell you the story really quick. So when Carrington and I first got together, I knew that he was a believer. He knew that I was a believer, but we did not set any boundaries in our relationship when it came to abstinence. So early on in our relationship, we slipped up. And because I was really serious about honoring God with my life, I had so much shame and guilt from that, that I broke up with Carrington. I said, you know, we can't be together because my relationship with God is more important than my relationship with you. And after that happened, a woman that I worked with, um, I went to work one day and I was having like a really tough time just accepting the fact that I did something that I knew better. And um, she was like, you know, baby, you know, she's sweet, Southern, older woman. She was like, baby, like what's going on? Like, talk to me. So I, I poured out to her and she was like, come you and Carrington come to my, come meet with me. And we met with her and that meeting with her and her, and her praying with us and encouraging us and speaking life into us, she became a pivotal, uh, just a pivotal person in our journey. And so much so her and her husband did our premarital counseling and she was the one that married us. So I feel like identifying someone who you can open up to and be be transparent with is very, very important. And to this day, if I'm going through something, I'm like, Miss Jackie, can I come over? Can I talk to you? <laughs> I have that support in that community. That's awesome. And on the topic of abstinence, because that's just a hot topic when it comes to Christian dating. And we talked a little bit about it before we got on here. What were the boundaries like prior to um, that breakup as well as after? Okay, so prior there was none. <laughs> that's why <laughs> that's why we was in the situation we were in. Um, but after what it looked like, because I was living alone at the time, um, was no staying the night, no Netflixing and chilling. And we even got to the point where we stopped kissing because kissing would lead to other stuff. So um, we really just cut the physical a lot. So um, it was like straight hugs. And then when we got engaged, we were really struggling with temptation. And we actually went through a fast. We did a fast two weeks before we got married where I did not see Carrington. I did not talk to Carrington. And people thought we were nuts. Like, my mom like us trying to finalize wedding plans, the wedding planner calling, asking for information we're caring to. I'm like, no, I'm not talking to him. Like you need to reach out to him directly because we were facing so much temptation. So um, really just physical boundaries. And, you know, when you live on your own, it's so easy to have someone come stay the night. It's so easy to say, oh, you know, just just stay over, you know, these different things, but just understanding, well, for me personally, 
any relationship that I was in where sex was the foundation, it failed. And not only did it fail, it left a lingering soul tie. It left me hoping and wishing and praying that God would reopen a door that he closed. So it had so many emotional um, uh, bondages when you when sex is a factor that I knew that if me and Carrington, and like I said, the next boyfriend that I would have would be my husband. I knew if he would be my husband, we had to repent and do something different. And thankfully he was all about that life as well. Um, And yeah. I think that's, that's really awesome because a lot of people, I think they act like if you say that you're going to abstain from sex before marriage, that it's like, you have just some impossible superpower that they can't get. And I think it's more so just doing what you got to do to make it happen. Like whatever gets you to the point where you feel like you're going to have sex, cut it out. You know, and I know for me, I failed in that, in that area. And I made the mistake of we, of us living together prior to getting married. And people ask this, ask me this question all the time. And I'm a huge proponent of don't live with somebody before you get married and not because of all of the, the worldly things people bring up. Like he didn't have any weird fetishes or nothing that I found out about when we moved in together. But for me, what, what I learned is just putting myself in a position to disobey God is doing myself, my soul, my marriage, my relationship, we got all of that a disservice. Like I just, and now sometimes I'll beat myself up like, well, dang, man, why didn't I do this better? Now that I had this platform, I could have been able to, but it's like, you know, your journey is your journey. You make your mistakes, whatever. Um, But I really like what you said. Like if kissing was leading to that, we had to cut it out. I lived together. That was a door that we could, or a line we could have played with, but we had to cut it out because we made this commitment. So for you guys that's listening, I just suggest that you do whatever it is that you have to do to stay committed to God. Don't try to flirt with it. Cause that's what I did. I was like, Oh, I'm strong. God said that he wouldn't tempt me past like, man, I was tripping. God wouldn't t- say he wouldn't tempt me past more than I could bear, but God wasn't tempting me. I was putting myself in a, a situation where I wasn't in a position to obey God when I should have just took my butt back to my mama house and sucked it up as opposed to living with living with him. And for us, the part of the re- that was part of the reason why we went ahead and just eloped prior to marriage, because I was like, look, this is not working like this. Like we could sit here and act like we strong as out of what we ain't lasting more than like a month, bro. Like we got to decide what it is that, that we're going to do. And I'm not saying we got married because of sex. It was a bunch yeah. of different things that went into that decision. But I just ha- got to the point where I was like, when am I going to stop playing with God? And then, mm-hmm. ex- but then I will be playing with him, but then expect him to not play when it came to blessing me. It, it don't work like that. So wow. for again, for you guys that's listening, do whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that you're in God's will and you're not making the situation harder than it needs to be. Mm, yeah, that's good. So after you guys got married, how did things adjust? Because now you have this new responsibility of being a wife. Did it ever feel a little bit overwhelming to take on this new role while still building out, you'll say your relationship with God, of course, like your career and business endeavors and and all of that. Did it, did it get hard at any point? Um, To be completely honest with you? No. 
So it didn't get hard for me until we started having kids. (laughs) So (laughs) when it was just Carrington and I, things were a breeze. And, um, and when, and when I say a breeze, I mean, overall, I mean, of course we had our disagreements and things of that nature, but at the end of the day, my husband is my best friend. We get along very well. So when it was just us two, we didn't face a lot of challenges per se, but when kids became a factor and um, we started having children, that's when I really had to adjust because my attention is going in so many different areas. You know, I have a daughter and my my son, and then I have my husband, and then I'm trying to run a business and still be the CEO of my home at the same time. So that's when um, really the work on my part has had to come in. But when it was just us, no, I mean, we were, we were really just, we were consistent. I mean, I'm telling you, we was reading the Bible every night and praying together because it was easy. It was just us. We would come home and date nights were multiple times a week. But when we get more responsibilities and when God is expanding our territory and when he's giving us different business opportunities, we have to be more intentional. Um, And so spiritually, it's literally like setting reminders on our phones, alarms on our phones. And, um, being way, way, way more intentional now that we have more responsibilities. Yeah, I I think that's really good. And a lot of women find themselves in that position. And a lot of women who wrote in, and we'll get to like some more questions at the end, but a lot of people are finding finding that balance of, of wearing these multiple hats, especially now that the kids have come. So you said that you guys set reminders in your phone. Are there any other ways that you've been intentional about making sure that your relationship with God is still growing as well as like being the CEO of your home? Yes. So what I do is I'm there. I'm an advocate of planning your day, scheduling your day. So in order for me to give God the best part of my day, I have to wake up before my family. So um, when I wake up, first thing I'm doing is I'm reading my Bible um, and then I'm praying, I'm worshiping. So I have my personal time because I used to, I used to wake up when the kids woke up and um, try to fit in my personal time with the Lord throughout the day or during the day or in the evening, but that just doesn't work for me. So I have to wake up before my children. My husband wakes up before I do anyway, but he's doing his thing in the morning and I'm doing my thing. And, um, really just like I had to, one day I was journaling and I wrote down my priorities, which is God, myself, my husband, my children, my business. And so if I'm waking up checking emails first thing in the morning, or if I'm waking up checking social media, social media is not even one of my priorities. Mm-hmm. So I really just had to write down my my actual priorities and the way that I plan my day, my priorities are in alignment with that. That's really, really good. I hope y'all are listening because she's definitely dropping some gems. I want to um, switch gears a little bit and talk about business. So how did you know that this calling on your life was a business? And then how did you go about starting it? Man, that's a good question. And 
it's so funny. So I told you that I was, when I moved to Dallas, I was in a position that I hated. I ended up quitting that job by faith. And I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I've been, I would say an entrepreneur since I was six years old. I just didn't have an LLC at six, but I grew up with always very entrepreneurial. When I was in graduate school, um, I got, I got my executive MBA. And while I was in graduate school, I started an online business. And at that time that I was um, in graduate school, working full-time in corporate America, I had an online business where I was making distressed denim uh, shorts. My clothing was in four stores in Dallas. I was selling, I had hired a tailor to help me. And I quit my job by faith to do that business. Unfortunately, I wasn't even breaking even in that business. So I was at a point in my life, I was probably like 23 at the time. Um, I was at a point in my life where I was like, Lord, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? I just had this question, what is my purpose? I was asking people, do you hate your job or is it normal to not like what you're doing? Like, I just could not find people that truly loved what they did and they were successful. So how I knew, so what I did, the reoccurring scripture that was coming to my mind in that season was Matthew 6, 33, which says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. So I disciplined and trained myself to seek God and he started to reveal my purpose. So what that looked like for me was I, at that time in my life, I was always like on YouTube, watching YouTube videos. And because I was watching so much YouTube, I got this inkling in my spirit to start a YouTube channel. So I used what I had at the time to start my channel. Carrington, we were dating. He had bought me an iPad that Christmas. I set up shop in my apartment and I recorded my first YouTube video with my iPad sitting on my apartment floor. From there to speed up my journey, I went from YouTube to doing interviewing other couples that were dating with purpose. Um, my husband and I got married. We wrote our first book. It was like every every obedience, every step we took in obedience, God revealed another step. So it went from a YouTube channel to Carrington and I writing a book to me creating programs to help women prepare for marriage and to now um, writing another book to me creating a program for wives who are um, running a business and being the CEO of their home, so to so it just opened up doors along the way. So I can I can't sit here and say that I knew that I would be doing what I'm doing, running multi six figure online businesses and hosting events with my husband on preparing for marriage and pursuing healthy relationships. God simply showed us one step at a time. Even to this day. I do not have a five-year plan. I literally, every year God speaks to me and gives me my calendar for the year. And then next year, he'll give me my calendar for next year. So that's how I run my personal business. And it's simply by being obedient and him showing me the next step, the next step, and the next step. 
That's so good. And I love that you said that because that's a lot of what we talk about on this show. I think everybody wants God to give them this super detailed blueprint in order for him to do what he says, but that's not faith. That's not trust. And so a lot of us try to bypass the part of trusting him to just try to figure everything out. And it really doesn't work like that. So how do you make sure though, I'm thinking about like the whole Martha versus Mary um, comparison of Mary just when he, Jesus was coming uh, into town and he was staying with where he was staying at. Yeah, he was staying at Martha's house. And so Mary greeted him and was basically like at his feet. But Martha was more so like busy, busy, busy. I'm doing all this. I'm doing all of that. How do you suggest that women embody that Mary mentality and silence their inner Martha? Because Martha's good, but she comes after you get the instruction of being after you get that instruction and you get the instruction by being like Mary and being at, at his feet. So how are women able to silence that inner control person or inner person that wants to be a busy bee and really just seek God first and do what he says, not what we want to do? In silence. Mm-hmm. So I've 100% been Martha. I've 100% been Mary. Mm-hmm. But in order for people to really get the direction they need from the Lord, they need to be silent. They need to cut off distractions. So we live in a day and age where we have information all the time. People are always listening to sermons. They're always listening to podcasts. They're always listening to Audible. Sometimes you need to cut off all of that extra. And not to say any of those things are bad, but you need to hear what thus says the Lord. So for me, in my personal life, what I do is I go on prayer walks where I literally will talk to God about something that may be happening or I need direction on or I need wisdom on and I allow him to download into my spirit. But I can't hear him if I'm constantly listening to things. So I am one who will not hear the latest anything, or I'm not, some people ask me, well, you know, I, I love YouTube and I go through seasons where I'm listening to certain pastors or preachers on YouTube, but I go through seasons where I listen to nobody, where it's just me and the Holy spirit and me reading my Bible, because I consider a lot of those extra things that I mentioned supplements, but for you to have your own divine direction, People need to sit in silence or walk in silence, you know, whatever you want to do. But that's where that in silence is where God will really give you specific instruction to what he's calling you to do. So I think just this day and age, and I talk with so many people and I even work with people one-on-one who are so distracted because they're they're looking at what other people are doing in their business. They're listening to other people's testimonies, which is great. But you have to know that God will give you a completely different blueprint and plan. And in silence is where he gives those instructions. That's really, really good. Okay, I have one more business question. I want to get to some audience questions. How are you and Carrington able to flow as far as building your family empire without like the business and things impacting your relationship? So we have help. Um, When it was impacting our relationship, because I was busy doing everything, we started hiring people. So um, 
we hire people to edit our videos. Um, most of the time, if we're not able to do it, then we'll hire someone to do it. Uh, so I have people that work with me in my business. I hire a community manager. Um, so we started to hire people to help us. So we have time and it's not like he comes home and I'm working or hold, let me, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me respond to this email real quick or let me do this real quick. So we started to um, hire people and pray and ask for help to help us grow our business and to scale our businesses where we're not the ones doing everything ourselves. Because at a point it was taking away from intimacy, feeling like we're constantly working and not having time for one another. Yeah, that's good. That's something I'm learning now because my husband just started working with me in business. I was like praying to God one day, like, God, I need help. Like there's a lot going on and you're expanding my territory. And the last thing I want to do is be sloppy and mess it up. And God was like, your biggest resource lives with you. I was like, oh, okay. That hurt a little bit. Well, what do you mean? (laughs) And he was like, hand a lot of this stuff over because he wants to help you. Like my husband's always wanted to help me, but I've always been just this, I got it. I could do it. And that's just something that God has to continue to work with me on. But once I let him in, it was like, it was so much better. And so, but then we get to the question of, all right, now this is cool. Like the business is growing and we're, we're flowing in this professional area. Well, now how do we then make sure this doesn't mess us up? And one thing we did, we took this animal assessment a while ago and and we didn't review it until recently. And it was pretty much like a disc assessment, like a personality assessment. The gorilla? Huh? Was it the gorilla one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are you? I'm a gorilla. <laughs> Me too. I'm already knowing. I'm a gorilla. Yep. <laughs> I'm a gorilla and he's a chameleon. Mm. And so because he's easily able to like adjust... I would just, I don't know. I was just so controlling. Like, let me just do it. I could do it. I could do it. But he's also like, even though he's a chameleon, he's not a pushover either. He still has like the dominant gorilla in him too. And so what we, what we found was we're both headstrong people on getting a goal accomplished. But where we would bump heads is we, most of the time we don't need to be working on the exact same task. It would literally be like, let's say I'm trying to open a can. So I'm opening a can and I'm just like, oh, this can won't open. He's like, just give it to me. I'm like, you don't need to open it. I can open it. And so like, we're literally arguing over something dumb. He's not doing anything special with this can, but we just both just want to get the can open. So here we are fussing over something stupid. So when it came to like the business and stuff, we was like, okay, this is your lane in the business. This is my lane in the business. So now things are like going so much smoother because we're applying our strengths in ways that move the vision forward and doesn't clash within each other. And so that has worked really well. But then the other problem, or not necessarily problem, but situation came up like, okay, now we got to make sure that this doesn't affect our marriage. So I would notice like he would be, on his laptop at home. I'm like, uh-uh, nope, nope, nope. No lap, like new house rule, new house rule, no laptop because I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. I don't want to talk about business right now. Or with, with me, I had to get like an office space. So when I come home, my computer is in the trunk of my car. I'm not getting on my computer anymore. Like that's it. Or I have a rule where I don't work on the weekends. We hang out and we just do fun stuff on the weekend. So I think it's just about, and one thing I, I find refreshing about having this conversation with you is it's very solution focused. And I think a lot of people where they mess up 
when it comes to relationships and things is we spend too much time crying over spilled milk and talking about how we feel about the milk being spilled and, oh my God, why is this milk? Just focus on the solution. Clean it up. Figure out how it got spilled in the first place. Figure out a system to where it doesn't spill again if you can and just move on. I love that. Absolutely. So um, I want to ask some questions. I know we're getting a little bit over time. People were like blowing my inbox up with relationship questions. So I'm going to pick out a couple and ask you, because a lot of them I tried to weave into the conversation so we didn't miss anything. This one's interesting. How do you have a discussion about splitting finances and bills within the household? So when it comes to splitting finances and bills in the household, there's no cookie cutter way to to manage finances. I believe and what we practice in our household is joint everything because we're one. But I also know couples that do split bills and they do have separate accounts and that works for them. So my recommendation is to have clear communication and conversation on what the expectation is and have a conversation about it. Do we want to join everything together or is splitting it the way to go? Every household is unique. And I never say there's a right or a wrong way, but for us personally, we believe that what's his is what's his is mine and what's mine is his. So did I say that right? What's his is mine. Yeah. And what's mine is him. Yeah. So, um, but really it's just, and honestly, so what, how to go about that conversation is to have it before you get married. That's something that should be talked about in premarital counseling and something that, um, you two should know clearly how you're going to move forward financially before you get married. So I would say before marriage, for sure. That's good. Okay. Next question. How to begin to develop as a wife while still in the dating relationship? That's a great question. So I have a program called Worthy of the Weight, where I help women prepare to be a wife before. Yes. So <laughs> it's intense. So check that out. But um, practically speaking, maturity, man, just maturing emotionally, strengthening your relationship with the Lord and creating positive habits now, doing things. So creating positive habits now that will spill over to when you get married. So even if it's something simple, like when you wake up in the morning, make your bed. If you're, if you do that consistently, when you get married, you're going to wake up in the morning and make your bed consistently training yourself to eat healthy now. So when you get married, you're already conditioned to prepare healthy meals in your household, conditioning yourself to have daily prayer time. So when you get married, you're all right. If you don't have your daily prayer time, when you get married, you're going to feel off. So really creating those positive habits now, so they'll spill over to when you get married so much so that if you do, if you, if you do something outside of what you've been training yourself to do, it'll feel off. That way you'll stay on track. That's good. Okay. Next question. This is actually, I chuckled at this. I don't know. It's just the way I read it, but um, they said, what is God's purpose in marriage besides kids to grow the earth? Okay. (laughs) I sent some like shade or something in it. That's probably why I started laughing. Right. So (laughs) marriage is a ministry and that's something that 
people need to know before going in. When God brings two people together, it is for a purpose. And the person who wrote that, they said, what is the purpose besides having kids and filling the earth? Well, scripture tells you to be fruitful and multiply. People automatically assume that God is talking about kids, but mm-hmm. God wants you to be fruitful in your marriage in different areas, not just having kids. So um, it's a ministry. There's a purpose when God brings two people together and um, having an idea of what that purpose is and what you've been called to do together is very important. So yeah, besides having kids, besides having fun, besides doing these different things, there's a specific calling and purpose on marriage and that's what it is. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I just, marriage gets such a bad rap, man. And, and I didn't realize how beautiful marriage really can be, I guess, because I haven't experienced it. And so getting married and kind of just allowing God to have his way for me, I'm like, wow, I really want more people to desire marriage and to desire like a healthy marriage, not just to to walk down the aisle for the, the pretty pictures and all of that, but a healthy marriage, because just the way that you can grow as individuals and as a, a unit, when God is really at the center, like that three strand cord, I've never felt more empowered as a woman than I have when I got married. Because it's like, oh my God, like I have this person who's covering me, who's like my shield. I got this best friend that I can just go out here and just get stuff done. And, you know, I don't know. It just, it just feels so good when it's done God's way. And so I just, I laughed at the question, but I really just want people to really and truly desire marriage and to desire it the way that God intended it to be. Yeah. Okay, last question. Someone asked, what advice would you give if your spouse's family doesn't like you and you're already engaged? Mm, that's a good question. Ooh. If, well, see, okay, so one, what family? So, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because I one of the things statistics show prior to getting married that a couple needs to be in agreement on is like in-laws and things of that nature. So I would, Proverbs tells you a soft, soft answer turns away wrath. If you're in an environment where the family doesn't like you, I would be committed to being around them when necessary and when being around them, being a light and killing them with kindness. Cause you don't want to be sitting around at a family barbecue stank because they're stank to you. You want to come with a different energy. So that's what I would say, but also because you're engaged, making sure you're going through premarital counseling to really discuss that because that can really cause a problem in a marriage, depending on what family member it is. I mean, if it's a distant cousin, they can go on about their business. But if it's a mom, if it's someone who's super close, this is something that you want to have clarity on how you're going to navigate that relationship before you get married. That's good. I know I said that was the last one, but I wanted to bring back up because, um, so we've been doing this tour and so I've been meeting a lot of people in person and hearing their stories. A lot of women that I've met Um, are in marriages to where, let's say God, they say that God tells them that it's time for them to leave their job or they're going out into this business endeavor and their husbands aren't supportive. 
How are they able to navigate that? Because I can only imagine how difficult that may be. Mm, Yeah. Be praying for your husband's heart. Lord, if this is your will for me to do this, I ask that you transform my husband's heart and that you give him peace about this decision. So I would just commit to praying for the husband because if it's God's will, why wouldn't he soften his heart if that is his will? Because you don't, I mean, so I would be praying for the husband's heart and not saying anything and just keep continue to work diligently so your husband can see the fruit of what you're doing. Not that you're waiting for permission per se, but so you can make that transition in peace. Yeah, I think that's awesome. One of the most valuable things I learned in um, premarital counseling and just my own development is the power of a praying wife. And I didn't understand it until I just started being obedient to what I was learning and putting it into practice. So a lot of things my husband would do that would like get on my nerves or things that I wanted him to be on the same page with me about that he wasn't, I would like pray about it. And then I would just like, look, like, all right, God, what's God about to do? (laughs) Or I would be like in prayer snitching almost like, God, he did this. And you know, I wanted to go off, but I didn't. (laughs) And so (laughs) my prayers would be hilarious, but I would just take it to God. And one thing I noticed when I started like doing that, just biting my tongue and taking it to prayer with a lot of situations is God. I would just come through and he will be like, yeah. So I was thinking, I know I said that I wanted to do this, but I think I'm going to do this. And I'd be like, oh my God, that was what I was praying about. So I and just, that's amazing. Yeah. And, one, and one thing I'll also say is if you have a husband who is not believing in your dream, ask yourself, has the fruit in your work ethic, giving him the confidence that you're ready to make that move. Cause sometimes husbands are looking at you like you ain't, you haven't been putting that work in. So it's not always that they might just be spiritually not aligned. They could be practically seeing you're not disciplined. You're not a self-starter. You're not committed to following through with the projects that you're doing, but you're talking about, you want to quit your job. So be mindful of that as well. Yeah, that's good. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Plug anything, like what do you have going on? Where can people find you? And then tell us about the book too that we're going to be giving away. Yes. So, and thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. And um, on social media and on everything, I'm at Ashley Empowers. You can find all of my information, ashleyempowers.com. But because we did talk about relationships today and I got to touch a little bit on my personal journey, I do want to offer everyone listening a free copy of my book, a free copy of my book, Dating with Purpose, How God Turned a Hot Mess into a Housewife. If you really want to just get the get the tea on my personal journey and the supernatural things that God did when it came to me becoming a wife and a mother, you can get that book at D. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes, you guys. So you can just go ahead and click it and you'll find all of Ashley's information. So you can follow her, subscribe to her YouTube channel and all of that good stuff. Well, this wraps up another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you next week.